All right, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this evening, amen. And uh, I hope that you all came expecting a blessing from God. Hope that you came to learn something, maybe even get convicted, maybe changed, whatever the Lord might deal deal with you on, amen. Uh, we should always have that attitude when coming into God's house. And the problem is, is we have a lot of churches where they feel like they need to change God's word and not be changed by it. Amen. We have to be changed by the word of God, not change the word of God. Um, all right. If you all can hear me, I'm pretty sure you can. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 17. And while you're all turning there, the title of my message is called Being a Watchman. And I was really actually really glad to hear uh, Brother Charles' message this morning. He talked about elders. He talked about the role of elders. You know, he talked talked about, you know, how Christians ought to behave. Amen. (laughs) And so my hope... And prayer is that my message will be a branch off of his. It would complement each other. And this message is going to be geared towards believers, and it's going to be the responsibility of believers. Um, <clears throat> so let's go ahead and we'll read it here, the text tonight. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 17 through 21 is our text for tonight. It says, Son of man, I've made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth, and give them warning for me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Again, when a righteous man doth turn away from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, and he shall die, because thou hast not given him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Really quickly, what God is saying there is, if you fail to warn the wicked and the righteous both of anything that you see, what God is saying is if you fail to warn them when you should have warned them, he's going to hold you accountable. That's what he's saying. He's going to, he's going to hold you accountable. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not and he, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live because he is warned. Also, thou hast delivered thy soul. Let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Lord, we do thank you, Lord, for this evening. Lord, you you promised in your word that your word would not return return void. And I pray, Lord, that you would just, just do something in these people's hearts, even those, Lord, that will eventually come across this online, Lord. Um, we pray, Lord, that you just have your way and will. Lord, we just thank you for all that you've done. We just ask that you convict us, Lord, where we failed you. Please show us and lead us and guide us where we need to improve. And Lord, we do thank you and praise you for your goodness and mercy. And we lift these things to you. We pray and ask all these things in your name. 
Amen. All right, <clears throat> so we're going to talk about warning the wicked. And um, in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 6, it says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately came, uh, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came on to them. And because he was one of... He was of the same craft. He abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Amen. That's what we all got to do. Amen. Testify that Jesus is the Christ because he's the only Savior. And it says that when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. Now why did Paul do this? Well, because Paul preached Jesus to them. And they didn't just reject it. It says that they blasphemed. So right there, it was very evident that Paul did what he needed to do. And they wouldn't accept it. So they, so he said, your blood be upon your own head. I go to the Gentiles. We see that Paul had warned them. We don't know exactly what he may have preached. But we know that he preached Jesus. He probably preached that they were in need of him because they were lost and dying and going to hell. And they rejected. So we see here in this context that Paul had did everything he could to warn his own people, and yet they still rejected. So Paul said, I'm going to the Gentiles. But you want to know something? Paul prayed that his people would get saved. And you know what? One of these days in the future, they will. But it will do it on God's timing. Um, in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now, <clears throat> as Christians, it doesn't matter if you are a preacher, if you are a deacon. It doesn't matter what area of ministry you're called into, we ought to witness. When we think of a watchman, we think of a watchman being on a wall, and when he sees trouble coming, he blows the horn and warns the city. While that is what, what a watchman is, there's a little bit more to that. As a Christian, we have a responsibility with the Word of God. God has entrusted us with His Word, and we have responsibility to it. And therefore, if we have responsibility to it, we have a responsibility to go out and witness to the lost and dying world. To tell them about Jesus, to warn them of their sin, to warn them of hell. But not just to warn them, but being able to tell them the good news that you don't have to go to hell. That Christ died on the cross, paid the price, so you wouldn't have to go there. Amen? Not just doom and gloom, but speaking the truth in love, warning the lost world that without Christ, you're going to go to hell. And we have an obligation to do that. 
Now, if we don't tell people about Christ and warn them of their sin, I actually do believe that we are breaking that commandment of loving one another. Now, why do I say that? I'll give it, I'll give an illustration. Okay, um, say let's say that you're a doctor, a, a doctor, a new a newly doctor who took the Hippocratic oath, which is that oath to not do harm. Say you you know you've been in the field for quite some time, and well, you're not so new, but you're you've, you've had experience, and you have a patient that has cancer. So with with knowing that oath that you took, if you saw that a patient had cancer, you would tell them they had cancer, right? But if that doctor sees that you have cancer and says, oh no, you're fine. He broke his oath, didn't he? Because he took that oath to not afflict harm. And cancer will harm you. It's, it can be lethal if not treated. So in the same manner, if we see if we see a lost person, we know that they're going on their way to hell, and yet we don't warn them about it. It's just like that doctor who noticed that the patient that had cancer and didn't warn him. Does that make sense? And so that is why, you know, when you afflict harm on somebody, that's not love. That's hate. But when you warn someone, when a doctor warns someone of cancer, when, a, when you warn somebody about hell, you're being loving towards them. Why? Because you don't want them to go there. Amen? And so that, that is a responsibility that all of us Christians, we, we ought to be mindful of. And we can't do it on our own accord. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. Without Christ, we can do nothing. In Luke chapter 16, verses 29 to 31, it says, Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them let them hear them. And he say, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now that is the context of the of the of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man's in hell. He's in agony. He wants somebody to go and tell his family. Abraham said, Nope. They have Moses and the prophets, which is what? Your Bible. Your your Bible that we believe. The King James Bible. That's Moses and the prophets, the Old and New Testaments. If they won't hear that, what makes you think that all these people that say, well, only if I could see Christ, I'll believe. What makes you think they're going to believe Christ even if they did appear, if he did appear to them? They won't. It's the hardness. It's a heart issue. You know, this is why we walk by faith, not by sight. It's either you have faith in the Word of God or you don't. There is no middle ground. There is no halvesies. Either you believe God and what He said, or you don't. Amen? <clears throat> and we, we're starting to see in our world today, a lot of people are just God-haters. They're, just very, they're very stubborn, stiff-necked. They don't want anything to do with this book. It's a sad thing, but we still have an obligation 
to be able to tell these people, hey, listen, if you don't repent of your sins, you will end up in a devil's hell. But the good news is you don't have to go there. Why? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross. He paid that price in full. Jesus said, it is finished. He paid it all. All you have to do is believe on him and cry out to him. Amen. Ye must be born again. You're either born again or you're not. And some people like to make that more complicated than it is. It's not complicated. Either you are born again, you believe what God said, or you're lost and you don't. And eventually, I'm going to tell you something. The time is coming where everyone's going to make a choice. This world's going to make a choice. You're either for the world and hate God or you're for God and hate the world. Well, okay, can't say hate the world. You hate the things of this world. Okay? You're going to have to choose a side. There's no spec. This Bible Christianity is not a spectator sport where you could just sit on the sidelines and whatever. It's not, no. You're going to choose, you're going, everyone's going to choose a side. Everybody. This lost and dying world is going to have to make a choice. And unfortunately, if they choose to die in their sin, they will go to hell. And one of those time, and one of these days, they're going to be resurrected out of hell. They will stand before the great white throne judgment. They're going to be judged by their works, and they're going to be tossed alive into the lake of fire. The good news is they can avoid all that if they believe on the name on the Lord Jesus Christ and be born again. Amen. Now, <clears throat> so like I said. The Moses and the prophets, that's your Bible. Uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. It said, And he said unto them, go, and, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this all, shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one another. You see, Jesus loved everybody. He loved his disciples. He, lo- he loved even the worst sinner there was. Think about it. Jesus went to the woman at the well, confronted her with her sin. And you know what? She believed. Went back into her town and told everybody about him. And you never know who, 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 who you're going to reach. God might tell you, go and talk to this person. You never know. See, God knows, but you don't. But if you follow God's leading, he'll reveal that to you. Amen? Amen? Um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Um, Ezekiel 33, 7-9. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth, and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. 
You know, this is what really just is just really astounding to me, I think. You see, you take a look at the world and most of the American church. They have a very different definition of love. Amen. They just they do. You know what their definition of love is? Oh, don't talk about sin. See, what they want you to do is compromise and not even expose what they want. It'd be just like telling the doctor, don't tell me I have cancer. Tell me I want tell me that I I'll be all right. But you know, when people have that attitude, when they don't want to talk about sin, God will give them preachers that won't talk about sin. In their long run, that's not good. God is God will give you what you want. That's why I said be careful what you ask for because you may get it. <laughs> Amen. You might you, you might get it. So and you know you get all these churches that oh we don't want to hear we don't want to hear about sin we don't want to talk about sin that's 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 not cool. Let's just talk about loving one another. See their love their love is just accepting one another. Don't call each other sinners. You know, let's just be all inclusive. You know, see, they'll be tolerant to every lifestyle out there but your own. You notice that? These churches that want to be tolerant towards everybody, they're intolerant towards Bible Christianity. Why? Because they think it's too hateful. When in fact, they're actually the ones being hateful because you're not warning, you're not warning others from their sins, which is a big disservice, right? Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may, what, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Did you catch that? If you conform yourself to this world... How can you prove that which is good and acceptable in the sight of God? You can't. This is why we have to get into our Bibles. See, God didn't just give this Bible to us just for his own health. He gave this to us so that we may read it and study it and preach it and teach it. Amen. We, he has given us his word and we have to learn how to handle his word. Because if we don't, how can we warn others? Amen. We ought to know what God says in his word. We ought to know what, what is near to his heart. The things that God hates. Yes, God does hate. There are seven things that he hates. Yeah, he probably look. And there's, there's other things that are listed in that, in that verse. But you know that the, a good loving God, there, there are sins that God hates. And we ought to be able to hate those very same sins as children of God. Amen. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 18 through 19. If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world will love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you love the world and the things of it, the love of God is not in, any, in you. So you see, all these preachers 
that 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 think like that, they don't know the word of God. They think they can love the world and yet still have the love of God in them. You know, those things are contrary. You can't love the world and love God. Friendship, James says, friendship with the world is enmity with God. And I'll tell you what, like I said, people are going to start making a choice. They're going to either choose Christ or choose this world. There's not going to be any more in between. People are going to start, eventually, going to start making that choice. And, de- and depending on the choice they make will determine their eternity. But I hope and pray that people nowadays will maybe wake up and see their need for Christ. Our nation needs Christ. Our politicians need Christ. Even our the school districts, a lot of these school districts and all these, and, and, and all these boards that they have, they need Christ. Every single aspect in our country and our lives need Christ. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. When is the last time we have invited someone to church? When is the last time we passed out a track? These things are important. You may not go out as a church group and pass out tracks from door to door, but you can, if you go to a restaurant, just hand someone a track. Say, here, if you get a chance, read this. Even I need to, even I need to work on that. And when I preach to y'all, I preach to me too. Because I'm just like you. I, I have my shortcomings and I fail. And I'll tell you that from experience... I had two opportunities that I missed both. That I could have talked to someone about Christ, I could have handed them a track, and I didn't. And the reason why I didn't was because out of fear. And I say this to let you know that I'm just like y'all. I have a flesh. I do some stupid things. I miss opportunities. <clears throat> But this is why, you know, this, and so that's why I say I'm preaching to myself too. I missed two opportunities and I didn't take it because out of a fear of man. And I had to repent for that. Because I got, I got convicted too. It was, it, it wasn't pretty, but it, I got convicted and I had to, re, I, it, I, I, you know, listen, I wish I can go back in time and just redo it. Just redo it all, but I can't. What's done is done. I have to leave it there. Amen? And that's the thing. If you miss an opportunity, my best advice is just repent and move forward. You you can't change the past. You miss an opportunity, you'll get another opportunity. Amen? All of us will. Just have to ask for it. So, you know, I've done things that, you know, I really wish I did and I just, I, I missed it. <clears throat> Here's the, and by the way, this brings to my next verse, James chapter 4, verse 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You see, this is why I was convicted because of it, and that's why I had to repent from it. Because I knew I could have done that, and I didn't. 
and therefore it was sin. I had to repent. And like any sin, you have to repent from it. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 48. But he that knew not and did commit these things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto, for unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required. And to who, whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. Why do I say that? Because God has entrusted us his word. We ought, all of us, need to do something with it. What is that? Tell people about Christ. God's going to expect that from us. And it's not, and like I said, it's not just pastors, deacons, elders. I mean, it is them too, but it's everybody. Everybody. Every born again believer. By failing to witness someone, you could, you could have. Um, it, okay, when you when you fail to witness to someone, it's sin, and God could very well account hold you accountable for that moment in your life. He'll hold you. He'll hold you responsible, according to what the Scripture says. <clears throat> so to wrap up that part real quick. We ought not to compromise with this world. We can't compromise. There is no compromise with God. It's either it's either this or that. There is no compromise. And I want to encourage you, and I know that's the stuff I kind of go through so far is kind of really hard to hear. But it needs to be said. Because there's probably not a lot of people who are preaching on stuff like this. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you that, you know, God is always with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will always lead you. And if you if you fall short, he's going to he's going to chasten you for it. But he does it because he loves you. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you to stand strong in the word of God. Don't compromise what you believe, whatever the cost. Don't do not compromise. If we compromise, then what good was it? Amen. Um, John the Baptist preached fiery. I promise you he wouldn't be invited to most of the churches. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. In those days, John the Baptist came, uh, John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. And now also the axe is laid onto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water and unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I. Whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. You see, John the Baptist not going to be very popular in today's world, won't he? He'd be kicked out out of almost every church in America. They say, oh, he's just being too hateful. No, he's, t- he's speaking the truth. He's full of the Holy Ghost. 
He was full of the Holy Ghost since he was like in his mother's womb. I mean, while John was in his mother's womb, when Elizabeth met Mary, the, it says the babe leapt in the womb. Amen. He was full of the Holy Ghost, even in his mother's womb. We also see that Jesus, our Lord, he didn't preach very lightly either. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Luke chapter 12, verse 4 through 5. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him, which after he hath killed, hath power to cast, cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Jesus is saying, fear God. Don't fear man. Fear God. And like I said, I am very susceptible to having that fear of man. Um, <clears throat> really quickly, let's go through warning the righteous. Because that's a little bit different. Because what we just went through is warning the lost. Now we're going to turn to God's own people. Okay. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if any man be taken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Amen? So there's a difference. But you still have to help both sides. We have to bring, we have to warn the wicked of their ways and let them know that Jesus loves them and that Jesus is the way out of hell. But for the believer, if we see someone in a fault, we have to restore with meekness. Thus we also be tempted. And with restoring that, there's going to be chastening of the Lord with that. But first, you've got to go to him privately. Don't just come up here and blur out everyone's sins. That, oh, look, he did this to me. She did that. No, that's not how that works. You take him aside. Say, hey, listen. Just what you did. I don't think it was right. You pull him aside and you lovingly tell him what you did was wrong. Amen. That's what Galatians 6 1 is talking about. Uh, Psalm 141 5. Let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. And let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer also shall be in their cal uh, calamities. Uh, Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Moreover, moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of the, out of two to three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to, to hear them, tell it unto the church. And if he neglected to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. See, right there, Jesus, is, Jesus just told you the order in which you're supposed to do that. That order should not be broken. There's a reason for that. Why? Because when you do something wrong, does God expose it to everybody? No. He deals with you privately. It will eventually work its way out if you don't repent right away. It will. But God deals with you privately. 
Amen. That's how we got to deal with one another. We can't just skip God's order and just do whatever we want. That's not how that works. Um, All right. Let's see here. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 15. This is the context of David's sin. Okay? It says, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his own bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of, of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come on to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said unto Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Did you see what Nathan did? He confronted David in such a way that after he was done with what he said, when David responded, he said, you're, you're the man. You see, Nathan confronted David of his own sin. And he did it appropriately. And he said, and it says, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house, and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the, blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to say this, wrapping this up, okay? Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 through 11. This is what happened to David. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure in chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. 
From furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So you see that when we do something wrong, God's gonna He's gonna correct us. He's gonna chasten us. Why? Because we're His kids, right? You see, the world don't like to hear that because they think, oh, well, you're just being mean. That's child abuse. That's not child abuse. It's called parenting. If your kid gets out of line, what do you you give them the belt? You give them the switch. That's parenting. That's not cruel. That's teaching your children how to respect you and those in authority. That's why we have a whole bunch of kids going around, you know, disrespecting police officers and doing whatever they want to do. You know why? Because their parents failed them. Why? Because their parents did not parent them. Parents oughtn't. Parents need to parent their kids. They do. But you know, I think a lot of times too. Going back to that fear factor, I think a lot of parents are afraid to do so because they don't want their kids to be taken away. All I want to say about that is this. Don't be afraid to parent your kids. You protect your kids, you parent them. Don't let the government get their hands on them. That's your job to parent them, not the government's. Don't be afraid. Because God will protect you and he will, he will back you up 100% of the way. Take, take, uh, when, when, when uh, Israel was in Egypt, right? What did Pharaoh say? He said, kill all the middle children. You know what the midwives did? They feared God rather than Pharaoh. You know what they did? They hid those male kids. So did Moses' mother. And guess what? As a reward, she got paid to nurture her own son. See, God can do that. Amen? Parents should not be afraid. Don't be afraid. God's with you. Amen? God will never leave you nor forsake you. Because that is the kind of God that he is. Amen?